back with the team from A Better Beirut podcast. It's Farah and Samir and Nico tonight. Hello. From Beirut. We are sorry we've been missing for a while. As many of you might know, Lebanon is going through a wide selection of crises. We had actually recorded a therapy episode before the blast that happened on August 4th just to kind of discuss where our heads are at, how we're feeling, what we're supposed to do next, given all of the things that Lebanon was already facing. And then the explosion happened on August 4th, being the largest non-nuclear explosion in modern history. And now we're talking to you over a month later, hit a month a few days ago, actually, yesterday. (laughs) I don't know what time is anymore. Yeah. So yeah, now we're back. We're talking to you guys. We don't actually know where the podcast is going next, but we thought it would be good to just kind of tell you guys where we're where we're at, what we're thinking, yeah. how we're feeling. Maybe we should make a list of all the crises just to explain, like, <laughs> as of today, what are the problems that we've been through from the fires until today. You want to go around each yeah, person? No, no, let's mention just mention one. Yeah, yeah. Let's just okay, uh, make the list and then uh, somebody yeah. explains. All right, kick it so off. So first of all, there was the fires, right? right. So this was. Okay, so we're gonna go back to yeah, gonna, October yeah, yeah. 2019. One year timeline here. Yeah. All right. Massive fires. The government couldn't do anything. People were very angry. So right after that, we'll just do one uh, one no. person at a time. We'll yeah. go around the table. Um, the, the WhatsApp crisis. Sure. Yeah, the WhatsApp crisis. It was sort of the tender, if you want to call it. It wasn't really the, um, the root cause of any of it, but it was a sort of final straw telling people that what was supposed to be a free service was going to be um, additionally taxed on them. Mm-hmm. That was mm. the straw that broke the camel's back as far as like the currency had already started to show signs of devaluation. But, but what happened? Mm. Banks didn't, if you would give them 150000 they wouldn't give you $100? Well, how did it no, start? No, it was, it was a flip of the switch. What was happening was most analysts were saying, what is going on? Because what the banks were doing were offering exorbitant rates on um, depositing or converting from dollar to Lebanese, mm-hmm. extremely high rates of interest. And, you know, that... that was a lot of red flags about what's driving, what's driving that, and it it was literally an overnight switch. With uh, when the October Revolution started, immediately the day of, banks all of them closed, and yeah. they closed for a very long very period long of time. time. And it was during that period where the wealthy elite and the politicians decided it was time to flip the switch and smuggled most of their money away. That's when the informal capital control started where they began restricting people from their withdrawing um, their money yeah if you have a million dollar in the bank you were allowed to withdraw something like 500 or 1000 dollars so it was in the first month it was a thousand a week yeah a thousand a week yeah. oh then, yeah, yeah, yeah and then suddenly so that what that caused was like historically the banks. exactly historically this is it's happened everywhere any 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 country that was sort of barreling towards inflation or hyperinflation like we're going through you know, these are sort of baby steps that uh, were happening, and people who recognize it, who were a bit more educated, tried to take advantage of it as much as possible. Because of the scarcity of, of dollars in the real market, um, the peg loosened. You mm-hmm. know, one, one dollar to a thousand five hundred just kind of. And yet, the official rate stayed at 
1500. So you had kind of a parallel market happening, different currency rates or exchange rates running at the same time. And it's continuing till today. It's still kind of flailing in the wind and no one really knows where it's going to stop. Unfortunately, more and more things are happening so that it continues to plummet. And that's not... That was before this explosion even came and to then us. Come December, January, you had the reports of the, um, you know, China virus. I don't want to call it that. That's the worst thing to call it. Sorry. The, uh, you know, the COVID, coronavirus. COVID nineteen. Yeah. COVID nineteen. I think we had our first case in Lebanon sometime in February. Mm. It was officially announced. Plane coming from Iran, I think. Because yeah, they didn't want to allow planes coming, and mm. why well, yeah, there was a crisis at the airport because they didn't want to allow them in. Yeah. Some people were sick. Yeah. Basically, mm. as of March, we went into full lockdown, and yeah. ever since then, things haven't really been back to normal. There have been like, you know, spurts of, okay, everything's open again. Okay, everything's closed again. Okay, everything's yeah. open again. Let's but not forget it's the never been resignation and yeah. of the older government, the appointment of puppets, and the interim government. And Let's just say it's been. Um, 11 months of hell. Yeah. It's been really tough. Yeah, hotter and hotter, huh? Yeah, and it's getting hotter literally. And now we're back to brush fires across the country. To we're back to, I think we're, I think it's part two. See, we're, we're, they renewed this whole fucking shit show for another season, guys. And it's been hard for us as a better Beirut to try to figure out how to keep telling you guys the good stories that come out of this place and not because there aren't any but just because it's really hard to be the voices doing that yeah. when you feel like you're being beaten up yourself and like it's starting to change our lives on an individual level as well let's let's actually go back to the explosion since that's the latest biggest thing that has rattled everything where were you guys i was in madam khayel i was under my house and uh, for those who don't know, Marm Khail was one of the hardest hit yeah. areas. It was somewhere, explosion. it was something like 900 to one kilometer away from the explosion. I'm, I'm so lucky I was not in the elevator and I was not at home. Uh, so I was uh, in a cafe under my house and it projected me four meters inside the bar. It was crazy, crazy. Uh, got like a, a wood plank full on my head. Got like tiny scratches, was really nothing compared to if I would have been in the house. So uh, Nico's house is where we usually record, yeah. by the way. And I went for a walk in Madame Khayel, thinking, yeah, I'm gonna help people. You know, like, <laughs> they need me and stuff. I went there. I started walking. And I saw so much blood. I couldn't. I I thought, no, 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 no. I, I'm gonna be the one needing help. So I went back, went up to my house, saw the, the what happened, packed some clothes and just left. I thought I'll deal with that another day. That was uh, my, uh, my time during the explosion. And you guys? I was actually on my commute home, but I had not taken a normal ride. It's funny that there's something that ties me and Nico together in that incident, um, is that my, my brother was still planning his wedding, so Nico was not home because he had to meet with my brother for something related to the wedding, and I was not on my regular route home through Ashrafiyye because my brother had asked me to pick up a shirt all, all the way across <laughs> town. So here I was running an errand for him. And, uh, and your was, brother works in Manapayet too. Yeah, his, he was out of the office, thank God, as well. To, to meet see, me, to yeah. See, to see Nicolas. 
So I was on my motorcycle and I was um, about six kilometers away from the blast and I had just gotten off a red light and as I was getting off um, all I could see was um, sort of glass f blowing out on the buildings on both directions on my left and my right and I looked backwards thinking oh there must be a car bomb either behind me or I'm driving towards it any second now which is I think the impression most people felt where this thing is happening right under me or it, where I am and I'm it's gonna happen to me so um, I uh, I drove a little bit further and just noticed people everybody was stopping their cars and walking out of their buildings kind of just to react and I got to a roundabout that's when I stopped I looked I had um, sort of just little shards of glass kind of all over uh, all over you know I wasn't hurt or anything thank, thank goodness and I had my helmet on so there was no nothing immediate but uh, you know that's when the that's when I saw it. I saw the massive plume of just mm -hmm. reddish orange coming out the center. Like when did you guys find out what it was? Like, what was the thing that told you it's a port port explosion? It's you know nitrate. Like when did it? When did you see the videos? Yeah, it took me a while, and you know it's so weird when you have something that happened, and then on television you see what happened, but it's not local TV. It's like everywhere, like you see it on French TV, American TV, everywhere they talk about this big explosion, etc. And then you see the explosion, and and you think, fuck, like I was in this mushroom. What the hell? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna give you the exact time I found out. Hold on. Sam is scrolling through a group chat. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got the whole ready checks. Is everyone okay? And I think I got the first video at 6.26. Yeah, I, uh, I got it around that time too. Yeah, around 6.26. And by that time, I had uh, ridden home. I actually stopped on the way home because my phone was, was buzzing and I was getting all the notifications um, in my head. So I had to stop and check because I wanted to know what the fuck was going on. I was calling people I knew who... Um, who worked this sort of stuff uh, to see if they had an information and they were as clueless as I am telling me we've got multiple reports of multiple explosions across all Beirut that was the first thing that they had heard and uh, when I saw it um, my first reaction was to start calling people um, a very close friend of mine who lives you know in the proximity I called my brother he had told me he was in Nicola I called my parents and then I saw the video and I thought for sure uh, my friend Tony was dead the guy's done he like there was that one particular video where you could see the um, the pressure wave kind of climbing across the uh, across the Shafi and then arriving to where the um, Saint uh, Saint Nicholas Church is, mm -hmm. and his house is right by there. So mm -hmm. I saw this thing just engulfing it, thinking, "Okay." Um, so I called him. Um, he told me he was fine, but his girlfriend was hurt. So I immediately just. Um, took my car and just drove all the way over there and I spent the, the rest of my night um, in that area. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what, 20 to 25 minutes where no one knew what the heck was going on. Nobody knew what happened. Um, I was here, I was at home. We're at my place right now. Um, and yeah, at first, because I'm, I'm not as close as you guys are to the port, I'm, we're about four kilometers away here. So close enough, but still. Got all your windows. Yeah, but like obviously not uh, the same kind of impact. Um, but the downside, I think, to living here is 
knowing what a bomb sounds like <laughs> and knowing you know when that happened even though i'm here we know what that is you know it's it wasn't like i think everyone instantly felt like okay there's a attack there's a war there's something yeah. starting i mean your first reaction is oh it's another assassination but this was a pretty freaking big one that was like your first yeah and that's before you really knew what it was mm. and then once you start seeing the videos like i kept saying this to a lot of people is like though i felt like everyone i possibly could know would be dead there could be survivors just because i was still alive like when you see that kind of footage you know in movies and special effects and historical documentation it's always like that place was wiped out so to see that and you're still <laughs> you're like <laughs> but it's a lot of people who died yeah 200 is a lot of people. It's amazing. Madam all, all you can hear about is people talking about the, it could have been a lot worse. And it, thank God it wasn't at this hour. And it wasn't a lockdown, etc., etc. I mean, yeah. <sighs> the reports are that it's, this stuff has been sitting on the port for six years. And if you think about your life for the last six years, how often are you there? You live there. <laughs> Nico, you live there. Like... Yeah, the neighborhood was awesome. Hanjad was awesome. And now yeah, it's, it's a war zone. Everyone who's anyone who knows this country or has had any association with this country has made great memories in all these different yeah. areas. Yeah, this it's, is, uh, it's the identity of a world. It's kind of like our Notre Dame in a way where like people who travel to Beirut who've been to the city, they've been in this area. It's downtown. It's the, the hip street with all the bars and you know galleries and... So it's actually recognized by a lot of people who don't even live here, people who've been here at some point in their life. There were a lot of people that had said, you know, I lived in Beirut for a year, for five years, for a couple months. Like, it's, it's a place that people know. It's funny. Um, it was, it had, I think, been exactly, yeah, a week, a week before um, the blast. I had um, some people from, uh, from friends from abroad who, who were visiting and, it was on a Sunday afternoon, so it was off lockdown hours, and yeah, I wanted to take him, show him around. Most places were closed, but some were open, and we ended up, it was a hot day, but we ended up doing oddly a lot of walking, you know, around downtown, and then down towards Manukhail. We tried to go to Alia's bookstores, but they were filming a commercial down there, so we can go in, so we had to double back, <laughs> and just, so we ended up just walking aimlessly for almost three and a half hours. And I just felt like uh, at the day of, I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. We just ended up walking around doing nothing. And now I'm just like super thankful that that day happened so mm. I could just have that memory. I mean, yeah, the, the area that was hit, it was hit across the board. You have multiple social classes, multiple religions, multiple, mm. you know, it, it really, it wasn't focused on any particular kind of, like it, it hit every part of the population and because Lebanon is such a small place there's no way that you don't know somebody who was you know intensely a, affected yeah. or has lost someone or has lost something or has lost their house or How about that I have a question everybody like over 300,000 people have at least to pay for the damages somewhere from $400 up to 10 20 30,000 that they have to pay in cash and here cash is yeah. very hard to get 
On top of that, a lot of people died, and a lot of I know friends who lost the, the children, who lost their uncles. So many people got damaged, lost their teeth, lost, lost so much. My question is not who's responsible. My question is, what do you think would bring justice? What do you think you would feel like justice has been served if it would have been done? Accountability. On who? Because can you put one person? Can no. you can you put accountability? No. I think on this is a full-on ruling class problem. But I think obviously there's probably more to it than but that. But the problem, yeah, yeah. But also the problem, it's not just the people who are in charge now. It's also the people who are retired, who used to be president, who used to be ministers, people who finished the civil right. war in a really shitty way put us in this misery knowing full well that we were going to suffer I don't know it's been a cycle of just a sort of almost fever of anger I think given just given the people who you know the, the, I know you guys I, I know the people who I try to keep in my circle at least or have tried to channel that energy into into helping at least in the in the, in the short term to bring relief Um, to be there for people, to assist financially if we can, and if we can't, to assist with our, you know, just bare hands. Yeah. Uh, that's been the sort of focus. But the, uh, after that, what, what, what would bring justice and accountability? If in our wildest fantasies they were all to be hanged or flayed or, 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 or tortured, even then, what would that do? You know, I, I think about those things now. Those are the things that, that, that occupy my mind daily, unfortunately, and I think occupy the minds of most Lebanese people. Is uh, what is the way forward? No, not what is the way forward. What do I do with this anger, and what will what will quench it? You know, do we want more blood? Is that where we're, what we're driven to? Are we driven to to repeat the, the the sins and the and the and and the killings and the and the and the anger? Is that what we're doomed to do? Wise words, very wise words. It's tough, you know. But I think like accepting impunity. Yeah, the problem now, though, is that I think that frustration is working in the favor of the establishment because people are turning on each other because they just don't know where to put it you know there's people are so frustrated and so angry and so sad that there's and yeah you feel um, crippled if you're not literally crippled you feel emotionally crippled and motivationally yeah. crippled of okay what does this mean for my life now if, if my life is worthless what do I do now How do I feel safe when people can get away with something like this? It's funny because this is the world we kind of lived in and now it's kind of shoved in our faces and, and you know, there's different degrees of whatever wokeness, if you want to call it, or, or people being able to manage their lives to be fair, equitable, and to, you know, act as a provider or, or, or a, a, an asset to society, if, if you will. Right, but then if society, like the very fabrics of society, have been breaking down, and they were breaking down before, um, before this uh, happened. I mean, if uh, I'll say it now, if it wasn't for COVID, you would have had a lot more people uh, leave this country in the past four yeah. to six months. Oh yeah, that's oh. the first. That's the first thing, you know. And then beyond that, now um, every non-stop and this is normal and this is expected but every conversation I've had casually with acquaintances and first that first week you were just 
ecstatic, happy to see that guy, um, you know, who is in that corner, who you've never talked to a word, but you know his face, is still there. Yeah. You know? That, that's a fear. It was a weird, weird emotions, uh, the initial phase. And now every conversation is about, like, what's happening to society. It's, it's, a, it's a variation of that. How are you guys coping? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing so that you can, you know wake up every morning because it, it's gotten to that point where it's not just about getting through the week it's about getting through the day I personally went through a lot and I haven't processed everything and I've been avoiding processing it and I'm trying to keep myself busy as much as possible for as long as I can at least until I can move back in my house yeah that's for me um I've been given a bit more flexibility in, in my work, so uh, I've just been channeling that energy into uh, um, into sourcing medical aid where it needs to go. So that kind of keeps me going. Um, but the, uh, the the coping part, the day-to-day, uh, you know, we're all kind of either doing something or addicted to our feeds and, and looking at the things through, through the lenses of others. And I don't know if that's healthy, to be honest. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you feel like you have to keep talking about it. You have to keep sharing. You have to keep, you know, keep it in front of people's eyes. But the downside is that it's also in front of yours. And it's, it's this really weird masochistic thing. Like, you can't really pull away from it. You don't want to look away. Um, and although you know that you should probably unplug and just kind of take care of yourself... Um, the toll of like just mental health from everything that has happened. What'd you do for your mental health? Me? Yeah. Um, I guess for the last month or so. I've All that wine, of... girl. No, no. <laughs> I actually, no, I've, I've just been kind of spewing it back on social media or writing yeah. or sharing. Express, so so why you talking yeah. about it? And it's, it's, it's not just, you know, for other people who can relate to it it's also a selfish thing where it's like I'm also trying to work through what I'm feeling by putting it into words uh, and that way I feel like okay I have pieced this thought together and now I can put it you know aside and move through the next one because all of the thoughts don't really make sense they're very disconnected and um, they're just in fragments like I wanted to write one piece or like a blog post or something to just kind of contextualize things and I couldn't because everything was just kind of falling on top of each other like and they're still kind of like that where it's it's hard to string a narrative when you can't really distance yourself from it there's yeah I think that's the that's why people want to maybe leave maybe not permanently but just kind of take some space mm-hmm. like well, it's not saying not permanently because there is no there are people doing that but I I I think there are a lot of people also just trying to like disconnect mentally so that they can figure out how to whether it's process it or just like what's my next move a lot of those i still feel at least for the um when i say short term i mean i mean six months to a year um if anybody who is human and feels that they need to do something worth their while, there's many opportunities to do so. If I want to say that to anyone right now who's sort of just stewing and unsure on how to act. Um, you mean how to act with what, though? With uh, just in terms of coping, right? I mean, if they feel helpless or 
or, or sort of powerless in the grand scheme of things. There are avenues to help and uh, through volunteerism, I feel, has been one of the ways many people, you know, I, I feel and, you know, it's parcel in hand. It's, it's good for people receiving the help. It's also mm. good for people giving it, you know. Yeah, you feel useful. That's that's one way I think I found to sort of channel that energy into coping. But that's again that's short term. That's short term, you know. And, and the idea is, um, when do we start living? And by living, I just mean like very basic, yeah. <laughs> basic living. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Whether, I think the next crisis is going to be when the government's going to stop being funded by the central bank, and the, the price, yeah, the subsidies and the prices of. Br like basic commodities like bread, rice, fuel, and medicine. fuel, medicine is not gonna double, it's not gonna triple, it's gonna be times six. Times six. You have to understand, like, what used to cost a dollar is gonna cost six dollars. Like, and if and the salaries are gonna be the same. If uh, not, way less. Unless people are working. Unless people are working, so many half wages. If this starts, it's gonna be chaos. Most probably it's gonna happen. I doubt very much that the government is gonna be bailed out anytime soon. No, yeah. they've, they've done nothing from day one, but dragged their feet. Projections of that was that we have three months before that mm, will they, be a reality. They are giving three months. It's a timeline they've put themselves, that the central bank has, has put, because they're, they are not transparent with what's left. Yeah. And, and if I know Lebanese, people and I've worked with them we uh, have a tendency to, to declare actions before they're done and call things way too fucking late. Yeah it's like scaring people just so they act. I think it's also something very Lebanese I, yeah. they do it in my family I don't get it. <laughs> it's true I mean yeah the strength of this system is that they know how to stall and they know how to buy time and the more they do that, the more they exhaust people's morale, whatever's left yeah. in them. You know, lockdown works in their favor in that regard. All the things that have happened, you know, the longer they wait it out, the more the resistance, like, loses steam. But people will never forget. No. People will never forget. But it's the so question is, do they still have the energy to fight back? There's you know, no fight so. needed. It's just when the time comes to vote, people will not forget. I think one thing that's important is that this is going to be their legacy forever. Yeah. And it's not going to disappear like our history has, where there's no books, there's no recording, there's no solid, agreed-upon story as to what happened. There are plenty of people that are not going to let this disappear. No. We're one of those people, those groups. I have a question, actually. Yeah. Um... How do you feel about A Better Beirut as a podcast, but also as a concept? Like, You know, if I want to go into the camp of people who would criticize us in the past, and I could, uh, I mean, I could feel that criticism now, how any sort of talk about positivity can sometimes feel, uh, you know, ingenuous, given the circumstance. And, and that's not what I want to fall to be. I, I, I have a bit of an allergy to anyone right now telling us whenever I see people talking about rising and rebuilding in the phoenix um, I just want to fucking barf in my mouth or on their face it's more yeah. effective yeah. what do you mean when you, you say as a concept I mean you mean to say no as in the, the podcast itself represents a better Beirut the Beirut that we are trying to build the Lebanon that we hope to see right yeah 
And the concept is that belief that that can happen. Yeah. When we gathered the three of us <clears throat> to do the podcast, the main idea was to show the positive Lebanon, the good Lebanon, to try to show a good side of Lebanon that is not shown on social media and on television. Like the people who are helping, the base camp, stuff like that. And although it's been a big hit for all of us on our morale, you know, we're trying to make it better and with time it's not getting better, it's getting worse. But the idea is not about being better, it's about showing the way, showing these guys are doing something that we deem good at least, and we want to show them. Mm -hmm. This is the idea, and they're the alternative. They are the they are the alternative. They are the direction we have to go to, towards, yeah. and I think uh, we should just keep on going this way. Show the people who are going doing positive things, and uh, and yeah, and continue. I'm no? still at the point that I'm bothered by that. Like by I'm, what? As in, I'm still like all the people that we used to highlight throughout the last almost two years now on the podcast uh, are people that were filling gaps, that were doing jobs that technically the state should have done. Majority, yeah. not everybody, but a lot of the guests. And a lot of them are the same people now on the, on the ground doing things. Yeah. Like they're, they're really the trailblazers when it comes to stepping up. And I'm so proud of these people. But at the same time, I'm so angry that that's what they spend their gifts like doing, you know? Yeah. And I'm, it's starting to make me feel like the podcast is glorifying something that we shouldn't be doing. You know, like we What shouldn't be filling gaps as, you know, a population that is so capable, that is so educated, that is so um, compassionate for each other. It's amazing. I'm not trying to discredit anybody or say that, you know, what they do is bad or shouldn't be done. It's wonderful, the kind of selfless energy that people have had and shown in the last few weeks, but also before that. But now I'm worried that we're, we're almost letting the state off the hook by doing their jobs so well. Yeah, but I don't think, yeah, I think we have to show this. And no, with sure. time, with time, these people will get more credit and the people who are supposed to do it are gonna are gonna be seen worse and worse now people are openly saying they are not gonna pay the VAT anymore they're saying we're not gonna pay any taxes because you're not doing your job and this money shouldn't go to you and I think it's completely fair it's completely fair yeah there are steps you know it's like I mean as much as people want to say oh you know Lebanon is just moving backwards nothing's getting better and that's obviously things are very bad right now but if we look at the timeline of 10 years, let's say, just from the municipality elections till now, or even before that, the, the small things that led to the formations of groups, the formations of clusters of, you know, from you stink, the movement against the garbage crisis, all the way up until today, that's only five years. But if you look at what's happened in the five years on a civil level, you know, civil society, all of the different movements that have happened and the small wins that we've made along the way. Yeah, they're not big in comparison to the shit we've been eating, but they're there. This is we, gonna take a long time. For context, we had the uh, cancellation of the Bizri Dam today. The loan was, you know, 
pulled out because uh, <clears throat> the people in charge are monkeys, uh, which is uh, good. Which is it's offensive to monkeys. Yeah, sorry, sorry to Bobo and 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 Elk and. Uh, there's the whole news of the um, uh, new uh, contractual law for uh, for domestic workers. Now, you know, that's a mixed bag because all it is is a declaration so far in a, of intent, but nothing's been signed yet, and even then there's still a lot of work to be done. And, and we know better than to believe... Uh, fucking headlines. ...things that come from hmm. the establishment, especially at a time when people are desperate for good news. It always makes you wonder, how true is this? Yeah. You know, is it just fluff to make them seem better and necessary? Like, at the end of the day, this is a struggle we unfortunately inherited um, by virtue of uh, being nationals of this country. You know, we have X amount of time left on this planet. So uh, I, I always tell myself, when you look back and you have a choice, and go with the one that you're going to regret the least, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, if you have a choice in front of you now, or a clear one, Think about that. Think what about, you, you know. What are you thinking now? Like, which... I'm still at the phase where uh, I know if I step back, I would regret it, but... But do you the, think that's an emotional... That, yeah, of course it is. Fucking decision. hell. I'm not thinking rationally right now. I don't think anybody is, but... Uh, yeah. <clears throat> if that changes, it changes. Nico? Yeah, and the fact of having to stay home... Because yeah. of this virus. Do you guys know anybody who tested positive? Like, yeah, yeah. we're all at home. I, I don't want to yeah, make yes. it sound like it doesn't exist. No, no, I'm not saying it doesn't <laughs> exist. But do you guys know anybody who's yeah. positive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I work in the healthcare industry. So. Do you know the person? <laughs> yes, I know the person. You know the person? Yes, yes. And w- w- what was his advice? Like, stay away, be careful? No, he, he had to stay home. And but, yeah, but he's... I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not... I, I'm I'm not saying they're exaggerating, but uh, no, come on, Yanni, the whole fucking planet is stuck at home, and I haven't seen shit, Yanni, I don't know, I know Anjad, I know more people, sorry, it's for shouting, I know more people who died from car accidents, but yet, we can still drive, ahlaw, sahlaw, speeding, and you can buy a car that goes 200, 300 kilometers per hour, no problem, and and every year, you know somebody who dies from a car accident. I don't even know anybody uh, who is tested positive. I'm not well, saying... I don't want to test that. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to... My bad, my bad. Your anger and, and frustration is 100%, yeah, you're right. 100% you're justified. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just angry. I'm just It's angry. because everything angry. is... Uh, you know, like, literally, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, just mind you, like you know, the virus didn't exist for the first two weeks of this thing, literally in people's minds. There, there was no. When you want to count the sort of pros and cons, there was no. Uh, there couldn't be any considerations. You had to go down there and do your job, or or what you could. Oh do. yeah, no, it wasn't even. It was like, it wasn't even on my mind. It's still kind of like a really. It's a last thought, which, I guess, for people abroad, you know, who aren't dealing with. Uh, what's happening here in a sense um, imagine when a global pandemic is the least of your worries <laughs> yeah. where where you're like frustrated with it the way Nico's talking where you're like can you just not like just 
yeah 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 you t- you talk about having like how can we cope how can we develop our mental health and stuff and then we have to stay at fucking home and we don't even have a home and you know, how can how can you keep keep a healthy mental state with that I can't fuck they should give a card to <laughs> like fuck no I can I can just party all the time I'm, I'm free <laughs> you get a you get a pass I get a you pass. get a hall pass to go and you know fucking do uh, as much what's next on the list uh, yeah would you get a list there to do a mental health checklist no, before I mean, we jump like, off the fucking building <laughs> <laughs> we also don't know where this podcast should go if you guys have suggestions or ideas, we're open. But at this point, I think it's it's really difficult uh, for us three as people here dealing with this to sit down and talk to people about you know the future and moving forward. A brighter and, future in front and, of us. And doing you know good things. And I think that's why it's been really hard for us to get together and just do this episode. You know this. We're not even asking anyone to join in on this conversation, and it's been hard because it's like having a group therapy session together. Yeah, it's going through the anger, the sadness, the utter. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, so it's hard to know where are we supposed to take this podcast because this is not, I think, where any of us saw it going. So please, guys, send us emails. <laughs> messages uh, on our email address on our uh, instagram account whatever just yeah maybe just send us tell, give us vibes. your opinion tell us <laughs> what do you think about that and because really we would, would like be nice too yeah but we'd we'd really <laughs> like to know what you guys uh, would like to listen to yeah and uh just uh you know before we close i just want to say big ups to all the people we spoke over the past two years almost now um if you're ever curious about what the people who are doing on the ground now, what they were thinking about a year, year and a half ago, where their mental state at, what you know, where this sort of need rose, you know, feel free to go back through any of our older episodes. I think it will give you a good, yeah, sort of little reference. A lot of those people are the like heart and souls of, of the. They're down there you know. every day. They're probably you've probably seen them on your screens, on Instagram, on you know. I can think of five names right now of people we've interviewed that are everywhere so definitely if you just need some a boost go back through our 30 episodes there's a lot of good stuff there that'll lift you up stay safe y'all we'll be back (laughs) soon bye guys